Thank you so much for checking out the Christian Church of Clarendon Hills podcast. We hope that you enjoyed today's sermon. We invite you to stop by www.cccch.org to find out more about our church and to make plans to visit us on a Sunday morning. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. I'm sure in this past month, We have all thought that, or we've said that, or we've posted that on our social media account. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. I can't wait to go back to things that are familiar to me. I think about some things, and maybe you can resonate with some of these. I can't wait to go back and eating in person inside of a restaurant. I can't wait to get back to having everyone in person in the building on a Sunday morning for church. I, I can't wait as a, as a parent of toddlers to be able to go to a park and, and play with my kids at a park with other kids and other parents as well. I, I can't wait to go over to a friend's house and share a meal together. I can't wait to watch live sports or go to a live sporting event. As much as I love the Michael Jordan documentary documentary thus far, I can't wait to get to in-person live sports sometime soon. Students and kids at home, if you're watching, you probably in a million years would have never thought this, that you would be thinking this one thought. I can't wait to go back to school, to in person, in my seat, lockers, hallways, everything. I can't wait to get there. Can't wait to go back to normal. Now, I want to take a moment, and especially in this past week, week and a half, where it's come out that kids won't be able to go back to school in this upcoming year. And we know, especially for the class of 2020, our, our graduating college seniors, our graduating high school seniors, even our graduating eighth graders, it's an unfortunate reality that you have to miss out on these, this last month, month and a half, two months of your final year at your school. And so what I want us to do right now is this, to set us up for our time this Wednesday on Facebook Live. I want everyone who's watching online to go ahead, go to the comment section and, and type in the name of a graduate that's in your life, a class of 2020 person that, that you know of, whether they're in your family, they're a neighbor, they're a friend, a relative, whatever it is. Go ahead, comment, and write their name in the comment section. And then this Wednesday night on Facebook Live at 8 p.m. for our God With Us time together, we're going to spend some time praying for these 2020 graduates. Our hearts break for so many of you, and we want to just lift you up specifically to the Lord in prayer this Wednesday at 8 p.m. So throughout the sermon this morning, even if you're watching this not live, but later on throughout the week, please feel free to comment and write down the names of some of the class of 2020 graduates that you know, and we're going to take some time to pray for them this Wednesday. So this concept of getting back to normal, it's very appealing. Having things that are familiar in your life, once again, it's something that we all crave and desire. Yet I think all of us have come to realize, and maybe you've seen articles about this, or you've heard people on the news talk about this, is that things aren't going to go back to normal necessarily. Once this pandemic passes, there's going to be a new normal. January and February of 2020 will be a distant memory. And the new normal that we step into, hopefully, 
and Lord willing, will be something that's actually better for ourselves and for our country and for our world. Now, surprisingly, this isn't the first time that a pandemic or some type of global event has created a new normal for the entire world. Think back to the 1300s in in Europe when they had the Black Plague or the Black Teth and hundreds of millions of peoples died because of this pandemic. The, The new normal after that is that the system of serfdom was destroyed and from that, Workers got better working conditions, workers got better wages, and that system of serfdom went away in Europe. I think back even to 9-11. Before 9-11, entering into an airport and going through security and getting on your plane took 15, 20 minutes. After 9-11, that has drastically changed. And even though that event only took place in, in America, it impacted airports and security in the entire world because of that one event. Now, this list could go on and on and on about different events that have had this type of impact globally, but there's one event that took place 2,000 years ago that had a huge impact on a ragtag group of fishermen. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this resurrection, this death to life event had a huge impact. It created a new normal for these disciples. And today, it still can create a new normal that God is calling us to step into. And so this morning, as we continue on in our last words of Jesus series, as we've been looking at the last words of Jesus, not only as he hung on the cross, but after his resurrection and before he went back to the Father in heaven. This morning, the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples gives them a new normal. And this new normal is not only for them 2,000 years ago, this new normal is for us today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. We refer to this as the book of John, John's gospel. It's a biography that John wrote about the life of Jesus. It's about three quarters of the way into your Bible. We're going to start in chapter 21, verse 1, in just a moment. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you that here at CCCH, we teach from the Bible every week because we believe God has primarily spoken to us through his word. And not only do we believe the Bible, God's word is true, but that's very applicable to our lives today. So at this point in John chapter 21, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead for a couple of weeks. He's appeared to all of his disciples, some extra friends and family as well. And at this point, the disciples are still in Jerusalem and they're not 100% sure what to do next. Yet they remember a conversation they had with an angel by the tomb that Jesus was buried in. And when they went there on that resurrection Sunday morning and Jesus' body was not there, the angel told them, he's not here. He's alive, just like he said he would be. Now go to Galilee and he'll have further instructions for you. Well, they didn't listen right away. (laughs) They they took some time in Jerusalem for a couple of weeks. And finally, after Jesus has appeared to them twice, they head to Galilee. And Galilee was a familiar town for many of them because that was their hometown. That's where they grew up at. That's where they lived their lives until three years prior when Jesus called them to be fishers of men, when Jesus called them to be his disciples. And so as they go back to Galilee, they're still wrestling with this idea of Jesus is alive. What's next? We're not 100% sure what to do. And 
So they go back to doing what they're most familiar with. And that's where our story begins here in John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. So afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples, that's John and James, were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. We'll stop right there for a moment. Peter, who was the fisherman before he decided to follow Jesus, says, I don't know what else to do. I'm back in my hometown, so I'm just going to do what I've always done. I'm going to go fishing. And so like any other Galilean fisherman, you would go out on the sea around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And you would do that because the water was still the surface was dark, and that was a time where fish felt the freedom to come up to the surface. It was the best time to catch fish. And so this was normal. This was familiar for Peter and many of these disciples. And they go out, they cast their nets at a time where it should be easy to catch fish, and they catch nothing. I don't know, maybe they're a little rusty. They haven't done this in a while. I'm not sure. You know, they hadn't gone back to normal in a long time. However, Jesus then steps onto the scene and things begin to change. Look here in verse 4 what happens. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them and he said, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, this is a crazy statement for Jesus to make. This is a ludicrous suggestion that he would make to these fishermen. Hey, you haven't had any luck all night. How about you take your net and throw it on the other side of your boat again? Like, this shouldn't happen. At first, you're not fishing this early in the morning. The sun is shining down on the surface. The fish are going to go away from that. They want nothing to do with it. They're going to stay in the deep, dark waters. So this shouldn't happen in the first place. No one catches fish at this time in the morning. But then throwing the net just to the other side of the boat, that makes no sense either. The the type of fishing technique that they used 2,000 years ago, you wouldn't just randomly cast your net. A lot of times, if you can see the picture that's being shown on the screen, You had a boat, you would throw a net out that had a cage-like structure around it that would kind of encapture the fish. And many times you would put a person or another boat on the side of it, and they would kind of come together and swallow up all those fish that had now got themselves stuck in the net. So all night they've been all around this area. So randomly throwing this fish to the different side where there's not the extra help That's not going to work. It's going to be a fruitless endeavor. Yet they catch fish. Like a lot of fish. (laughs) Like a lot, a lot, a a lot of fish. This is nothing short of a miracle. And the disciples realize that. And look how they respond here next in verse 7. It says this. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the author of this, He said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. He jumped into the water. And then the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards away. So immediately, Peter jumps into the water. He pulls a Michael Phelps and he gets the shore first. He gets the gold and gets to see the resurrected Jesus for the third time in three weeks first. The, the, the other disciples, they get the silver and they get the bronze and they come up with all the fish that they have just caught. Now, this next part of the story is what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time this morning, the new normal Jesus introduces to his disciples. And what I want to call this time together is sneaky symbolic. And the reason I'm saying it's sneaky symbolic is that many times in Jesus's three years of teaching and healing and doing ministry on the earth, he spoke in parables. He spoke symbolically to teach spiritual truths. But in this conversation... There's no parables that are being spoken. There's no symbolism in his words. But there's great symbolism and there's great spiritual truth that happens just in the fact that they're together in this moment. So it's sneaky symbolic. So don't miss the things that take place here. So verse 9, this is what happens. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. And there was some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. And so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. He dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came. He took the bread. He gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus already has breakfast ready for him. The the miracle that he performed by allowing them to catch this great amount of fish was not even needed to have this breakfast meal with Jesus. See, this miracle... And this meal are very symbolic of what Jesus called his disciples to do when he first met them three years ago. In fact, if you turn back to Luke chapter 5, Luke's biography on Jesus' life, this scene sounds very familiar, and I'm sure is very familiar to the disciples. Luke 5 verse 4 says this, When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. 
from now on, you will fish for people. It's almost like deja vu for the disciples. They've been here before. They've experienced this. The same guy who over three years ago called them to be fishermen, called them out of the opportunity to be fishermen, but to fish for men. And so three years later, this symbolic breakfast is a reminder to them. It's a recommissioning of the mission that Jesus has for them to be fishers of men. In our terminology, to show and to share the love of Jesus to our world. And so with these fish, what Jesus is symbolically showing is that there's plenty of fish in the sea. Meaning that there's plenty of people out there who need to know the love of Jesus, who need to hear about the love of Jesus from you. And it doesn't matter if Jesus has these fish supernaturally brought into your life and you get to interact with these people that you never thought you would interact with before. Or it could be the people in your life that you in your daily, everyday situations and goings, you interact with these people on a consistent basis. So it doesn't matter how or where these people come into your life. There's people in this world that need to know the love of Jesus. There's fish that need to respond to the message of Jesus. And so this leads us to our big idea for this morning. If there's one thing that we can take away from this passage of scripture, if you're taking notes at home, I would write this down. It's this. It's that our new normal is mission critical. Our new normal is mission critical. You see, everything became different after the resurrection. There was a new normal that these disciples were stepping into. For three years, they got to sit back and watch Jesus do amazing miracles. They got to hear Jesus teach some amazing things. But they didn't fully understand that once he rose from the dead, their new normal was that they just get to be a spectator and watch Jesus, that they were going to be on the front lines of carrying out his mission to show his love and share his love to a world that is in desperate need of the love of Jesus. They were an important, a vital, a critical part of the mission of Jesus. They were essential workers to carrying this out. And the same is true of you and I today. You know, this worldwide pandemic gives us an opportunity to pause, to reflect, and to reset on what God has called us to do here on this earth. It's a reminder that as we step into a new normal, there's always been a new normal about our lives that sometimes we push to the wayside. You know, I think about this 20 years ago when 9-11 took place. It, it drew many people back to the American church as they were searching for God and asking questions and their hearts were so open to the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus. Well, I believe this pandemic has done the same thing. Statistics would show that more people are engaging in worship services online on a Sunday morning. Throughout the week, they're engaging more with church and their hearts are receptive and open to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, more than maybe their hearts will ever be in their lifetime. See, there's lots of fish out there. There's many people who are hungry and ready and their spiritual needs need to be craved. And we have the message of hope. 
We have the opportunity to be fishers of men. And so church, my question for you this morning is are you ready to fish? Are you ready to go fishing? Are you ready to step into a new normal that's always been a part of our calling, but this has reminded us of what that is? Are you ready to step into it and realize that when you go into your workplace or you're interacting with your employers or your employees that your primary purpose is to share and to show the love of Jesus to your coworkers, to your bosses, to those that report to you? Are you ready to step into a new normal, parents, where you realize your primary focus is to help your kids love Jesus and grow in a relationship with him? Are are you ready to step into a new normal where our interactions with our neighbors and our friends are about introducing them to the love of Jesus? And it doesn't matter if that's an online neighbor or friend or an in-person neighbor or friend. Our purpose is to be on mission to show them how much Jesus loves them and cares about them and wants a forever relationship with them. And maybe you're watching this service right now and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. He offers it to you freely. By faith, you can trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, believing that he died on the cross 2,000 years ago to take the punishment for your sins, that he rose again three days later to overcome the power of sin and death in your life, and he wants to offer you new life right now and into eternity. And if you make that decision by faith, guess what? You're called to be a fisher of men as well. You're called to be on mission. You are an essential worker. You are critical to the mission that Jesus has for all of us who are following him. You see, our new normal is mission critical to being fishers of men. The time has passed for when we can just show up on a Sunday morning and whether it's in person or we're watching it on our computer or tablet or iPhone, whatever it is, the time has passed where we can just show up on a Sunday morning and be disengaged with the mission of Jesus throughout the rest of the week. Like there's no time for that in our new normal. You and I are mission critical. Jesus has something amazing for us to step into. He's called us to be fishers of men. He no longer wants us just to watch the miracles that he's doing. He wants us to be a part of the miracle in changing someone's life forever. He's ready to use this church. And so, are you ready to go fishing? Are you ready to be fishers of men? Now, this mission and this challenge may have some of you right now at home feeling a little anxious, (laughs) feeling a little nervous. I don't know how to do this. What does this look like? This, This new normal, I'm not ready for because... It's not familiar. It's not what I'm used to. Well, before we go into the details of that, next week, I want to just give us some encouragement of what's the first step that all of us can do to make sure that we're focused on the mission that Jesus has for us. Next week, this is kind of a two-part sermon, even though it's within the series. Next week, we're going to talk about the details of what this mission looks like to help people find new life in Jesus, to share and show the love of Jesus. And we'll see that mission play out in Jesus' conversation with Peter. But for now, as we close out our time together, let's just focus on the one thing that all of us can do today to prepare ourselves to step into this new normal as we are critical to the mission that Jesus has for us. So let's do that by going back to the breakfast scene for just a moment. Jesus and his disciples are eating together. He invites them into this meal, and this meal is very symbolic. 
of them just being in his presence, in his company, in connection and communion with him. It's a reminder that without that personal relationship with him, that ongoing pursuit of relationship and connection with Jesus, they can't do this mission. They don't have their own power and their own strength to carry it out. And the same is true for us today. This is why Jesus tells his disciples in John 15, verse 4, this was a meal that they shared a few days before Jesus died on the cross. Look what he has to say to them. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Symbolically speaking, what Jesus is saying is that you and I and the disciples and anyone else who follows Jesus, we can't bear fruit. We can't do good things that point people to Jesus. We can't stay on mission unless we stay connected to Jesus. And that's why every Sunday when we gather, whether it's online or in person, that's why every time you gather in a life group, in small group or in our youth group, no matter what it is, every time you gather together with other people who are following Jesus, it's a reminder that those gatherings are essential to us staying on mission. Why? Well, it's because it's in these gatherings that we connect with Jesus and we connect with others who are following Jesus. And so our new normal after this pandemic has to view these gatherings as essential to our mission. Our, our time together in life groups and small groups and youth group and in our church services, we come to these because we can't survive spiritually without them. But at the same time, they're not just about being here. They're about sending us out on mission. You see, we gather to go. We come together to be sent out. We stay connected consistently so we can remind ourselves of our loving Father, the mission Jesus has for us, and the power that the Holy Spirit wants to give us to stay on mission. And as we stay connected, we can then be prepared to go out and live out the mission that Jesus has for us. We hope that you've enjoyed today's sermon. Please check us out at www.ccch.org and plan a visit for next Sunday. We would love to see you.